0: Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Is it we talk about metals and an unlikely partnership with bacteria. Now metal can be tricky to make bend into the right shape, say if you wanted to make some bedding or a mask. But metal has some pretty great anti-modal properties that you'd want to harness. Plus, we find out about a way that metals can help microbes produce way more electricity just from chowing down on waste organic matter. If you've watched Terminator 2, you'll probably have seen the scenes where the evil Terminator just absorbs damages coming into it by basically melting. It's made of a liquid metal skin, unlike the fixed hard robotics of the Terminator 1. Terminator 2 was terrifying because it just absorbed all attacks. and took actually being melted in a vat of molten steel for it to actually be defeated. Apologies for spoiling quite an old but good film. Now, this idea of a liquid metal is a pretty fascinating one. And there are numerous metals that actually are liquid at room temperature or close to. And one of them that actually comes to mind is gallium. Now, gallium is normally a byproduct of bauxite production, basically, one of the chief ores we use to make aluminium, but it can be made a couple other ways. When you take gallium on its own, though, and you isolate it from everything else, it's a pretty silvery like metal that has a melting point that's around 26 degrees Celsius. That's really low, which means if you hold it in your hand, normally 37 degrees celsius that means that that gallium will melt that's a pretty cool thing and gallium actually is used in a number of applications mostly because of that low melting point it's possible to make all bunch of electronic tools or ways to actually join circuitry together because of its incredibly low melting point it's sought after as an alloy for that purposes you can even make some cruel alloys with them that actually have a melting point that's below zero This is really amazing for a metal. Now, what would you wanna do with this really meltable metal? Chances are, you could use it to create some kind of coating. Oh, it's a liquid, so you could paint it on. That's not a bad idea, but keep in mind that since it dissolves into a liquid so easily, you can do a number of other things to it. Let's say, make it into a solution. Now you see where we can go with this. If you now have a metal, that's melted and dissolved into a solution, you can imbue some pretty interesting properties of it, which is exactly what materials engineers from North Carolina State University have been diving into, mostly because they, together with colleagues from National University in Korea and RMIT in Australia, been trying to find a way to use this liquid gallium dissolved in a solution to give some super defensive properties to, well, Masks. Now, we all have been wearing masks a lot more in this pandemic because after all, a large number of diseases, not just COVID, are aerosol spread. Now, as acceptance of aerosol transmission has increased, the importance of masks across the world and not just in Asia has been accepted as commonplace and just needed to avoid general illness in the population. And that's all well and good. But researchers like Ki-Yoon Kwon and Samuel Cheesman, the two main authors on this paper published in the journal, Advanced Materials, wanted to take it a step further. They wanted to give their masks a super coating, a coating that could defeat all attacking invaders, much in the same way as Terminator 2 does. Now, one important thing to remember is that fabric or any other type of material like that can be a breeding ground for pathogens, especially if that fabric is damp. Now, Think about what happens to a mask, you're breathing in and out through that fabric. And over time, moisture builds up in that and that moisture can act as a cool breeding ground for pathogens to spread, let alone any that you draw in and filter out from the outside. So microbes can survive on these fabrics, in hospital beddings, in clothing, in face masks for an incredibly long period of time, which makes the cleaning practices in hospitals really important and also the cleaning practices for PPE masks and clothing as well. Now, a challenge with that is that we like to thoroughly deep clean all these surfaces, and we can do that in a hospital. But you may have noticed that in a hospital, they'll often use metal for a lot of surfaces that you wouldn't actually normally anticipate. Door handles, especially contact and touch surfaces, they all use metals. And the reason why is that using certain kinds of metals can actually have antimicrobial properties. You don't need to clean them as much because the metal itself is such an inhospitable environment for the microbes and bacteria that they just die. Or more specifically, the actual texture of the surface causes ruptures in the cells of those microbes and bacteria that land on it, causing them to rupture and die pretty quickly. So that means things like door handles and touch buttons and so on being metal inside a hospital is really great. The logical extension of that is, well, if you could use copper or silver in that way, or alloys of those materials to help eradicate and prevent the spread in touch surfaces, could you do it with clothing? Could you do it with bedding? Could you do it with masks? Well, there's some pretty big problems with that. The first and foremost being that making a mask out of metal is not really particularly comfortable or breathable. Making a bed out of metal is a bit cold and probably a bit scary for the patients who think they probably ended up in a morgue. So this is where having some type of metal that you could create a metal coating layer on a fabric, well, that would offer a lot of advantages. You can take metals like silver and copper and try to put them onto a coating onto, say, a fabric, but you end up with problems where they don't spread evenly or they don't adhere to the fabric beneath it or it's just damn hard to get them to stick and still make some sheets. So researchers like Michael Dickey, who's one of the corresponding authors and a professor of chemical and biomolecular engineering at North Carolina State University, worked together to come up with a simple and cost-effective way to drop metal coatings onto fabric. So the researchers took liquid gallium, So basically they just held some gallium for a bit, not quite, but you just warm it up slightly. And then you drop it into ethanol and used sound waves. Now, okay, why you would use the sound waves is it helps break up and spread that gallium through the ethanol, creating gallium nanoparticles. This process is called sonication. You basically end up with a small structure of these gallium mixed in with some of these donor things from the ethanol and you end up with nanoparticles. Now that's great because you can then take that solution of ethanol dosed with these gallium nanoparticles and spray it onto things. Because again, it's liquid. You can spray liquids pretty easily. Once you take these nanoparticles suspended in this ethanol solution and spray them onto the clothes, well, basically the gallium sticks to the fibers because it's a metal and it's big and and it can't just evaporate away like the ethanol does. Because once it's sprayed onto the fabric cloth, well, the ethanol just evaporates off, leaving behind these gallium particles, which attach themselves to the fabric. That's an ingenious way of like applying a metal coating to something. Now, the researchers then took this gallium coated fabric and dip it in some copper sulfate. And what that does is creates, through galvanic replacement, a pretty cool reaction on the surface. The, that means that the gallium sort of pulls in and attracts all that copper onto the fabric, creating a coating of liquid metal copper alloy nanoparticles along with the gallium. Now, you've now created a coating on this fabric of both copper and gallium, and thus you now have a metal coating on a fabric piece. That's exactly the goal that the researchers are aiming for. So they tested its antimicrobial properties, which means you need to actually bombard it with all kinds of common microbes, things that you would find in a hospital. Staphylococcus aureus, E. coli, Candida albicans, these all grow aggressively on non-coated damp fabrics. But when this copper alloy gallium created fabric, It killed 99% of those pathogens within five minutes, which is nuts. Now, that is way more effective than just the samples that only had copper on them. The idea of something that's killing 99% of all of those pathogens within five minutes is a very inhospitable terrain for spread of microbes. Now, once they'd proven that it had a significantly boosted effectiveness and it was still pretty fabric-like and not like a hard piece of metal on your face, they then took it a step further and exposed it to other variants like human influenza, H1N1, and general family of coronaviruses, hcov 229 e Not SARS-CoV-2, but another variant in the coronavirus large family. And what they saw as well here is that, much like the case in the general microbes, this was not a good place for them to stay and they were wiped out. So the point here is that these metal coated fabrics are easy to produce and have amazing antimicrobial effects. Way more than just relying on say copper or silver on their own. And the nice part about this method is that it's really scalable because it's easy to spray coat things. In fact, it's incredibly easy to spray coat things and it's a really simple method that could be relatively easy to scale up for mass production which is why this was published in the journal Advanced Materials. It's a pretty amazing research from researchers from Korea, from North Carolina University, from RMIT in Australia, to highlight how we can boost the cleanliness of our hospitals, of our clothes, of our face masks by using some really meltable metal and a little bit of copper to help supercoat our fabrics and get them to fight off microbes. just talked about the way metals like copper or silver can make a pretty inhospitable service environment for microbes to live on. This is really good for keeping hospitals free from spread of disease. But there's other ways we can use silver or other metals to help cells. This seems almost opposite to the story we talked about before, but it uses a lot of the similar techniques. It comes from a paper published in the journal Science with researchers from University of California, LA, UCLA. Now, leader of this paper was Bocheng Kao, with a large list of collaborators like Professor Yu Huang, a professor in materials science and engineering, and Professor Jifang Den, who's a professor of chemistry and biochemistry at UCLA. One of the things that comes up a lot in physics and modern technology research is ways to make fuel cells, uh, any type of fuel cell that you can make, a hydrogen fuel cell or, or others, as a way to get us a nice, clean, and simple and efficient energy source that we can carry around and, and reuse. Now, this is all well and good if you want to have, say, a hydrogen-based fuel cell, but then you need hydrogen and also catalysts to power this whole generation. Now, if you had a kind of living energy recovery system, one that was powered by something alive that you could feed, especially if you could feed it waste byproducts, well, you wouldn't need to go to the effort of mining and producing all of that hydrogen and rare earth metals for the catalyst. If you had a living energy recovery system utilizing bacteria found in wastewater, would it offer a one two punch for both environmental sustainability as Professor Yuhang points out. Now, this is a fantastic idea, but how exactly could you make a kind of fuel cell that was based on living material? This would need to be some kind of system that could keep itself going through various stages to create the energy, to release energy, and then to be able to convert it back, the type of chain that you see in a fuel cell. So how exactly would this work if there was a bacterium involved? And what's the connection with silver? It all starts with the bacteria known as Schoenella. Now, Schoenella has we've talked about a couple of times here on this podcast as well, and it's widely understood to be a fantastic little bacteria family because they can produce energy. And the best part about how they produce energy is, well, they'll thrive in weird and wonderful environments like inside soil, in wastewater, in seawater. And you don't need much oxygen. They'll just love to thrive there. And they work by breaking down organic waste matter into smaller and smaller molecules and while they go through this consumption process of breaking down all that waste organic materials they'll release electrons as part of their metabolic process when the bacteria grows as a film on say a surface like an electrode those electrons that are produced as part of their metabolism as part of their eating of all that food they shoot off these electrons. And if that's lying on an electrode, uh, i.e. a charging port or anode or cathode for a, a piece of electronics, well, you capture those electrodes straight away and use it to power electric currents and circuitry. Now, that is amazing and has been shown before. But the problem is that if you wanted to keep this going and sustained, you need a lot of current. And quite frankly, researchers haven't been able to capture enough current out of this type of bacteria before. And the problem really is that the electrons actually have to escape the biofilm of the bacteria. They have to escape through the membrane and enter the electrodes to you know, join the electric circuit. So the strength of the biofilm and the bacteria itself actually limits the efficiency of the harnessing of those electrons. So there's the problem. How to keep the obviously helpful bacteria alive in this case, but at the same time, don't have its skin be so tough that you can't extract the electrons that we're trying to harness here. So the researchers came up with a solution for this and that's by adding silver nanoparticles into the bacteria. And why they did this is if you have the silver on top of the electrodes that are composed of a graphene oxide, the part of these nanoparticles releases silver ions. These free ions actually get consumed by the bacteria itself because they basically break it down into further small silver nanoparticles. And this silver more or less gets doped onto the skin layer of that bacteria. So the contact surface between the electrode and the rest of this microbe, the film layer, it actually gets coated with some silver nanoparticles in it. Now this is fantastic because that silver nanoparticle can act as a transmission layer to actually transfer those electrons through the membrane into the electrode and pass it along into the circuitry. Effectively, they turn the skin of this microbe into a silvery surface. The bacteria act as microscopic transmission wires, transferring these freed up electrons from the metabolism process, the bacteria chowing down on all this organic waste matter. And the silver becoming part of their skin means that they can just pass it through to the electrode and really efficiently transfer it to the circuitry. And when I say more efficiently, they transfer around 80% of their metallic electrons to that external circuit. So think about it another way. When they consume all this waste matter, they're producing energy. Only 20% of that electron part of it actually stays inside the thing. The rest of the 80%, because it is, for them, a waste product as well, 80% of that goes into the circuit, which is an amazingly efficient production method. It generates around you know 0.66 milliwatts per square centimetre. So not fantastic, but more than double the previous best for any type of micro based fuel cell. Now, using this method of making the skin of this biofilm, of this bacteria, be able to conduct the electrons out to really boost the efficiency of the circuit is a great way that shows how we can harness these bacteria and work with them to actually produce, as Professor Yu Huang points out, a one-two punch where you not only break down the pollution present in, say, groundwater or in landfill and turn that into electricity on a pretty scalable process. And you can make that actually harness for you renewable energy from the simple breakdown of organic matter, cleaning up the environment and producing renewable electricity. What's not to love? And that's why these researchers have published their paper in the journal Science, it shows a great method for boosting the production of organic fuel cells. The lead author of the spacer was Hua Shengao, Gao, along with a large list of researchers from UCLA. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From microbes that consume waste organic matter with a little help of some silver can produce electricity and ways we can use nanoparticles to help supercharge our defences of masks and bedding in hospitals.